the big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on bread. Rivals.com. <laughs> Why are you laughing over there? Welcome to the Trojansports.com podcast with Blair Aguo, Chris Watson, and Adam J. Maya. The, the Trojansports.com podcast. It's fun. Isn't football fun? <laughs> it's fun, Blair. That kicks off. Thank you for the landing. Right, right now. now. Right now. Welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast. I am Blair Angulo, Rivals.com West Coast recruiting analyst, joined in studio again by the lovely Adam J. Maya. Uh, how was your week, Adam Maya? Pretty normal. Maybe a little bit of light sweeping last week. You know, pretty productive around the house. Had some sweeping to do, and that was really it. I mean, I just swept through the middle of the week. You slept through no, the, You slept. Swept. Uh, you, you're just a heavy sleeper, aren't you? I'm <laughs> sleeper. Okay. So that's a direct, I guess, jab Thinly at, veiled. at all the Dodger fans that are listening to us. I know. That double as USC fans. Okay. The Giants are going nowhere this year. So, so you have to pick your battles. <laughs> all I have to celebrate is that sweep. Yeah. So you're wearing your, your Giants jersey as you always do while we record this podcast. and I'm going tonight. You you are going to game one of yeah. Dodgers Giants at Dodger Stadium. I thought it was Bumgarner Kershaw. It was going to be that, and now it's Lincecum Anderson. Yeah, so <laughs> you're getting your money's worth there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about USC and recap uh, the week that was. Not enough sleeping or sweeping there. Uh, before we, we get on a special guest, Michael Lev, uh, the USC beat reporter for the Orange County Register, um, and you know, just kind of talk to him about the, the NFL draft. It's this weekend. It's going to be a big week for, for USC fans just to kind of see where, where some former Trojans are headed. Um, but right now, let's, let's kind of recap the week that was. So USC baseball was up at Corvallis. I think they, they have a baseball field made up of its turf. It's a turf baseball field up there. Did you know that? No. Yeah. And and they, they were up at, uh, in Corvallis. Yeah, they won one of three. They won the Friday game, which w- you had said was probably their problem day. Well, Brent Wheatley, their ace, has been taken out of the rotation, at least temporarily. And so they brought in Tyler Gilbert to pitch. And uh, he did really well on Friday night, and you know the backs were behind him as well, so they won that game, I believe, 11 to three. But then Kyle Toomey didn't get much support. He threw even better on Saturday, and he loses three to two, uh, Oregon State winning walk-off fashion. And then Mitch Hart, who's been very very reliable freshman, had a rough outing, and so they lose the series, which. Oregon State is a good team. There's not shame. There's no shame in losing to them. But if USC is going to be a great team, they need to win those series. You know, they're not going to win this conference. But you know, I mean, they they're primed for a great year. They're 30 and 12. I think they're ranked 13. Yeah. So they went into the weekend ranked number 10. Yeah. In the country, and and they've dropped to 13th, which still should put you in a position to host a regional. Yeah. I mean, you need to be in the top 16 or so, and, and I know they factor in RPI and all that sort of stuff, strength of schedule, your uh, your quality wins, all that. So um, it should be interesting. I think if, if they stay where they are right now, you know, maybe finish in, in what, the third or fourth spot in the Pac-12, I think they'll, they'll, they'll be fine, and I think they'll be able to host 
a region. David Host, did they ever in third place? They're they're in third in the Pac-12 right now. Right. So they wouldn't ASU and UCLA host. Yeah, but you, 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 there's you could, there could be multiple hosts for a conference. You know, so it, it doesn't matter. two. No, I, I don't think there's a max. Okay. The, there's no max uh, in, in conference hosts. Um, so the standings as they look now, the school that should not be named, I guess, uh, from across town, because I get in trouble whenever I mention them. They're in first place, but who cares about them? Arizona State is in second place. Uh, then it's California, and then USC, Oregon State. Uh, but USC obviously ranked third uh, just because of their quality quality uh, wins in uh, the non-conference uh, portion of their schedule. Uh, Adam, uh, recruiting-wise, there was a lot that went on this past weekend. Um, Jordan Parker, he's a four-star corner, uh, had been considering USC also committed to that school that we can't talk about. Um, and there was a lot of visitors in town for the passing down Best of the West tournament in Fullerton, California, which took place Sunday. Uh, but a lot of those guys took advantage of, of being down here in Southern California and went out to USC. Uh, we're talking about, you know, Jordan Parker and Sherrod Thompson and Lamar Jackson and Najee Harris, five-star running back uh, committed to Alabama. He's from Antioch, California. Um, and he's a guy that I think is going to cons- continue to consider all his options. Um, he's a guy that I think uh, right now uh, kind of strikes me as a guy that committed to the Tide to ease all the recruiting pressure. But as we've you know grown accustomed to, to seeing and, and, and to know, I guess, from a recruiting standpoint, when a kid commits early, that school – it becomes very, very difficult to keep him, especially if it's across the country, the way it is with this kid committed to Alabama. I think we're seeing a number of kids, and you mentioned a couple of them, Sherrod and Jordan Parker, who have, even after they committed, said that they're considering USC. I think they commit to, like you said, throw off maybe uh, some of the hangers-on you know, that are not in their top five. And then they're going to narrow in on the handful of schools that they would really go to. So you're talking about a 2017 running back in Najee Harris and a couple other kids in 2016 that yeah. already committed. Yeah, Sherrod Thompson's committed to Cal. It's early. You know, it's still, I think, it's, USC. It's April. Yeah. Uh, Sherrod Thompson's committed to Cal, but he will continue to consider USC. He told me he has a great relationship with Coach Hayward, who, who recruits defensive backs and recruits the Bay Area. Um, and Jordan Parker committed to the school that shall not be named, uh, but he also is going to continue to keep an open mind and, and keep a relationship with USC because he loves USC and told me he wants to take an official visit to USC. Right. Um, so all of this kind of irrelevant at this point. Lamar Jackson. Uh, another kid from uh, Northern California, defensive back, can play corner. He was our MVP at defensive back at the Rivals Camp Series in Las Vegas two months ago. Uh, he was great, uh, p- plays corner, plays safety, very versatile, can do some things on offense too. Uh, and he said the Los Angeles schools are actually selling him on playing both ways. So, you know, we can we see that with Miles Jack on the, uh, on the other side of town. We see that with the George Jackson, the possibility of Juju, you know, being able to do that too, I think is kind of striking for a kid like Lamar Jackson. Uh, and a guy that stood out to me so much was Stephen Carr. He's a running back that's committed to USC already, 2017 class from Fontana Summit. And he, I did a top performers list. You can go on Rivals.com, check that out. Top performers of the Best of the West uh, passing down tournament. Stephen Carr, number one. 
I mean, he was explosive out of the backfield. It, it, running backs don't have the, I guess, the opportunities in the passing down, right. uh, passing league environment. But it, this this kid out of the backfield was, uh, I mean, he was so dynamic and get easy, easily open, uh, great hands. And, and like you've mentioned before, the running backs are now featured in that passing attack at USC. Yeah, you better he, be able to catch the right, ball. Right, so he would he would feature well. C.J. Pollard uh, from Guardian Acera, the son of former USC defensive back Marvin Pollard, took a visit to Utah over the weekend, but he told me USC's still kind of in there in that top five. He, he wants to announce it this summer. He's going to narrow it to a top three, and it'd be extremely surprising if USC wasn't in that top three and, and ultimately the pick. I think everything's kind of leaning towards that. Thomas Graham is a 2017 corner from the Illinois Empire from Corona, um, and he his sister actually signed with USC and uh, she runs track, and, and and he said they've always wanted to go to USC together. He's a 2017 kid, hasn't gotten an offer yet, is kind of narrowing down to a top five of ASU, Boise State, UCLA, Washington, and Utah. Wants to announce uh, in about a month, um, and, and if USC joins the race within that month, I think the Trojans will be the pick, but right now it looks like it's going to be uh, Arizona State and uh that one school battle. So we'll see what, what happens there. You forgot to mention Kate Markell. Tate Martizzi, yeah. <laughs> what about Tate Martizzi? GM. Kate Markell and, uh, released his you know, top five on Twitter. It's it's a pseudo top five, though. It's something that I'm not really taking too serious because he included some of those schools that he doesn't even have offers from. Um, th- he's a guy that uh, he has mentioned USC will be in this week to see him in person at Las Vegas Bishop Gorman. But he has a top five of some schools like TCU and Baylor and, and A&M that uh, haven't even offered him. So these are schools that he's mostly interested in, so I wouldn't take too much stock uh, into that one. USC is number one. Yeah, I mean, he does there. have that offer, and I think he's wanted it for a long time. He wanted to come here, and so I, I, I hear what you're saying. I know that maybe the the edge of that top five are a couple of programs that he's still intrigued by and is hoping that they recruit him more. Yeah, quarterback recruiting is always important. You always have to you know do your homework and, and be very aggressive and, and kind of Pick your guy and yeah. go after him. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what USC does in this 2016 class because that 2017 class would even be even more more uh, crucial. They took two in 2015, Ricky Town and Sam Darnold. You know, it, they're not going to get their number one option, their number one choice, or even their number two choice in mm-hmm. 2016. Uh, 2017, it's it's still iffy to see if Tay Martell is their number one guy. Well, if Mark, if um, even with if they take a quarterback in 2016, I could still see Markel coming in 2017. For him, it's a matter of them locking in on him. Yeah. If they if they make him their sole priority and their only quarterback in 2017, they they have him. And they have offered to a Tagovailoa from Hawaii right. too. So it'll right. be and and Coach Nansen was out there in Hawaii checking on him last week. So. A lot, a lot to consider, yeah. uh, but it'll be interesting to, to continue monitoring. And before we take a break here with Adam Maya, it's your bumper sticker award time. Who does it go to this week? A very well-deserving fellow. I'm going to give it to Yogi Roth, former USC grad assistant and coach during uh, the middle of that Pete Carroll era, a dynasty. Uh, Yogi Roth debuted a movie in Newport past weekend life in the walk and it's about family it's about him and his father and a pilgrimage that they took and um this guy's a you know talented guy pac-12 analyst as well who really could 
kind of a renaissance man, can do a number of things and could probably be, you know, working in the NFL right now. Yeah, or what college does football. what doesn't Yogi Roth do? He's got good hair. I can appreciate that. But um Anyway, we want to honor him for sure. Bumper Sticker Award, you're our Trojan of the Week. And uh, we wish you well. And maybe we should get Yogi on, I think. All right. Well, that'll be your homework right. for this week. Uh, and to see if you can continue to sweep and sleep out there. Uh, but we're going <laughs> to take a short break. We'll be right back with Orange County Register USC beat writer Michael Lev. You're listening to the Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by our rivals. We're back on the Trojansports.com podcast, joined by a very special guest this week, Michael Lev, the Orange County Register USC beat reporter. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey. All right. So, Michael, you covered the NFL for a long time. You still loosely cover it. Um, I think even longer than you've been covering USC. So, I have a good question for you here. If you're the Tampa Bay Bucks and you're not sold on Jimmy Swinston or Marcus Mariota, do you go and take the surest bet in the draft in Leonard Williams at number one? Uh, I wouldn't do that, um, even though I love Leonard Williams as a prospect, and I think he's universally loved. Um, I think his ceiling is really high, and I think his floor is also really high. A um, couple of reasons. One is there's a bit of duplication with Tampa Bay in that you know Gerald McCoy is the star of their defense, a three-technique defensive tackle with similar dimensions and a similar game to Leonard. Um, you know, you can always play them together, but I feel like um, there's, like I said, a little duplication there. Their, their skills wouldn't necessarily complement each other well. And the other thing is, you know, if you have a chance to get a franchise quarterback, even if that player has some question marks, then I think you go ahead and take that risk. It's not as punitive as it used to be with the way the the uh, the collective bargaining agreement is now and if you can land that guy who can be your face of the franchise you're going to be in contention for 10 to 12 years we've seen it over and over it's the hardest thing to do uh to define in the nfl but it's the most necessary piece that you have to have so if you got if you got a chance you got a shot you got to take that shot yeah i agree with you michael i, I think uh like you mentioned Leonard Williams, uh, he might be the surest bet in this draft. You know you're, you're going to get with him. You know he's going to be a, a great prospect at the NFL level. But when you do have the chance to, to take your guy that can lead you to the promised land for the, you know, the next decade or so, whether it be Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota, you have to take that shot. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bucks do there. Uh, let's break down Josh Shaw as an NFL draft prospect. He's a guy that had a tumultuous season at USC, as we uh, very well know. Uh, but what do you think he's capable of at the next level? Yeah, I think that Josh's skill set is conducive to what a lot of NFL teams want to do. Um, you know, there's there's been debate. There was debate when he was at USC. There's debate now whether he's a cornerback or a safety. Um, even though he's kind really well, if you look at like his body and his movement skill, also his 
football intelligence, I think safety is probably the best position for him. But what he brings as a safety is the ability to cover, um, which is absolutely uh, essential the way the game is played today. You need safety. You don't necessarily want safeties to be those you know, big blow-up, you know, down-in-the-box hitters anymore. You need them to be able to cover slot receivers and tight ends and run with guys up the seam. And I think Josh can do that extremely well. Um, obviously, you know, the incident that happened before the season and the fallout from that hurt his stock. Um, the, he missed 10 games worth of, you know, 10 games worth of experience, 10 games worth of game film. Um, you know, that's, that's never a helpful thing. And he's had to do a lot of work to repair his reputation with NFL teams. But, you know, from what I've heard, and from what I know about him and this whole situation, I think he's done a good job of doing that. And I think most NFL teams feel pretty good about the prospect of picking him, you know, somewhere in that third to fourth round range. Yeah, I see him going somewhere too. He's just too good of a, too versatile of a player in the backfield to ignore. Um, another guy, though, that I have not quite wrapped my mind around for the draft, at least, Nelson Aguilar. You had Marquise Lee and Robert Woods both go in the second round. Nelson is going to go ahead of both of them. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just strange for us as USC followers to understand what's happening here because when you line the three of those players up um, based on you know what we've, how, the way, what we've seen from them, their production, um, their accomplishments, you know, even their upsides. I mean, you probably rank Nelson third behind Marquise and uh, Robert, which is no slight on Nelson at all because those guys are just great, great players, like all-time great wide receivers at a wide receiver-rich school like USC. But Nelson brings versatility that maybe the other guys didn't have quite as much where you can play in the slot on the outside or in return punts, all of which he did uh, throughout his NFL career and especially uh, USC career, I should say, especially last season, um, that's one thing. Uh, second factor is the increased use of three receiver sets in the NFL creates a greater need for wide receivers. Um, and this is why you're seeing more and more guys go early. And the third thing is this is not a super strong draft overall. So some guys who you know maybe in a vacuum look like they might be second round talents are getting pushed up to the first round um, and I think Nelson is among those guys uh, which is it's obviously a good thing for him I think another thing too with Nelson because I, I, I covered him for the first time this past year and he had a bit of a reputation as a game breaker and then we didn't really see that and I feel like the way that they used him last year probably did not exploit all of his uh, capabilities downfield and after the catch. And I think that um, he's probably got a lot more in him than maybe we got to see. And that's why we're a little bit miffed by the projections. Well, which is interesting because he caught you know, more than 100 passes. But it's, it's funny, he wasn't featured in quite the same way that Robert and Marquise were in their really big years. Um, you, I mean, you really got the sense that Lane Kiffin was going out of his way to game plan for those guys to really take advantage of their skill sets. Um, whereas, I mean, like a lot of Nelson's work 
in in third down situations. He just had that really great chemistry with Cody Kessler. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, the play would break down, Cody would escape the pocket, and Nelson would find a way to get open, which I think is one of uh, an- another of his great assets too. Um, you know, and I think another thing that NFL teams like about him, or they will get to like about him, is the great work ethic. Mm-hmm. We heard a lot of stories about you know how he'd spend extra time working in the jug machine or do, doing all those little extra things that you need to do, um, which is really important for him, too. He's primarily a running back in high school, a guy who's still making that transition. Um, so there was a lot to learn for him, and he went about you know trying to uh, improve his craft. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back with Michael Lev of the OEC Register to talk about Cody Kessler's NFL stock, also USC in the top 10 and how they can stay there, and a little bit about his softball uh, skills. He's, he's a pitcher on the diamond. What, so, Cody Kessler? No, no, Michael Lev. So we'll be right back here on the Trojansports.com podcast. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by our rivals. rivals. We're back on the TrojanSports.com podcast, joined by OC Register beat writer Michael Lev. He covers USC, he's covered the NFL, he's covered a lot of things, and and uh, he's also a softball pitcher. Um, I, I got a chance to play with him for a season, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was out in the outfield, so it was hard to tell whether uh, you know he was bringing in some serious heat from the mound or from the no. circle. Come on, um, but what are, the, what are what are the keys, Michael, to being an effective softball pitcher? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, my key for me is just throwing strikes. You know, just kind of having that, being able to repeat emotion um, over and over again, and then throw strikes and rely on my excellent fielders behind me, like Blair Angulo, who is a very athletic uh, left center fielder, um, Adam. Uh, a very high upside. <laughs> this guy, if I could just get him, if I could just get him to, you know, Show up. more time on softball diamond and less time like watching recluse at these various camps and stuff. I really think that Blair could uh, reach his potential, but he's so dedicated and devoted to his job that it's just kind of hard. Yeah, in a vacuum. In a vacuum, no one one has the upside that I do. All right. Well, (laughs) speaking of upside, I'm looking, and I want to set the record straight because every week Blair chides me about Cody Kessler being a Heisman candidate. I'm looking at Bovada right now, and they list 31 players, and they have Kessler at seventh, and they give him 12 to one odds to win the Heisman, which is why I call him a front runner. Um, I feel like there's this disparity though between those odds and maybe our reality or the or the way that we see Cody Kessler. And Michael, can you talk about that because? You know, I think, again, like I'm saying, people, he's very polarizing, I feel like, Cody Kessler. Well, I mean, look, if you're the a senior returning quarterback at USC who had a huge junior year and your team is projected to, you know, be in the top 10, um, you're going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. And Cody is a legit Heisman Trophy candidate. There's no reason to think that this offense won't be excellent uh, this upcoming season. I mean, remember, 
I mean, they were playing at times three true freshmen on the offensive line last year. Um, Cody got sacked 32 times. I mean, maybe some of that was his fault. Some of that was the Lions' fault. That's the number that they can bring down. Protection should be better this year. Uh, I think that the running game itself, because of that offensive line, should be more consistent, which will make Cody's job easier. Um, I, I liked what I saw out of him in spring in terms of getting stronger and quicker. It looked like he improved his arm strength by really working on his core. I agree. Um, building that body up. Um, I think he's going to take more chances this year because the coach is one and two. He's going to be more comfortable with the system. He's going to be more confident in his arm. I think as a result of that, he's probably going to throw more interceptions than he did last year when he had a you know, very unusually low total of five. But you know, the bottom line is, how does USC perform as a team? Because if USC goes, let's say, 11-1 and one in the regular season or something like that, then you know, Cody's probably going to New York. Um, I mean, Marcus Fariota obviously had amazing numbers last year when he won the Heisman Trophy, but that wouldn't have happened if Oregon had lost two or three games. So, I mean, that's, that's the other part of it. And, and Cody will have a lot to do with whether USC has that kind of record. Yeah, my biggest thing is I, I just want to see Cody do it against the, those top-ranked you know, tough teams. He didn't have any touchdown passes against Stanford, didn't have any against ASU, had one against UCLA. Uh, you know, it's easy to, you know, throw touchdowns left and right against Colorado, Fresno State, Boston College, and, and, and all those other teams. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does this season. How does USC stay in the top 10? Is it a di- direct correlation to Cody Kessler's success? Definitely one of the key elements. Um, when you look at their schedule, and I, and I always look at team schedule, they're, they're different every year. Um, who you play on the road, who you play at a conference. I mean, there's a couple of potential stumbling blocks for USC. You know, they face Arizona State in their first road game. Uh, the last two trips to Arizona State have resulted in 21 points setback. Um, they have to go to Oregon at, you know, in the next to last game of the season. It's going to be cold, wet, loud difficult place to play. Okay. Maybe those are 50-50 games or maybe even, you know, USC might even be underdogs in those games. How do you win them? Well, I think your senior quarterback has to step up his play uh, and really show that he can play big in big games. And I think the coaching staff uh, really has to do a better job than it did last year in, in some of these close games that USC ended up losing where there were strange play calls in the fourth quarter. There was defense that just seemed like shockingly unaggressive. Um, there was just breakdowns where we're, we're not expecting to see breakdowns from USC teams. You know, back in the Pete Carroll era, uh, you know, Adam was, you know, there for, for all of that. They always got better as the game went on. They made great second-half adjustments. This coaching staff needs to prove that they can do that. Yeah, they really had their fingerprints on all four of those losses. And so I think they did a lot of things very well, too. But I feel like uh, whether they grow, whether they grow and Cody grows will kind of determine whether this team actually remains in the top ten. You know, they say with certain players that um, the team goes as he goes. I think what we've seen with Cody, to Blair's point about playing in big games, I think he goes as they go. And so when they're beating up on a weaker opponent, his numbers are inflated. But 
when they're having a hard time with a tougher team, you see him kind of take a step back too. And so, you know, I think that that can change. That isn't like written in cement or anything, but um, really it's going to come down to whether, you know, they go as he goes, if he can be the best player in the field, as I like to say. And uh, that will, I think, make or break this team in 2015. Um, let's end on a little lighthearted note. Um, something that Michael and I like to talk about during practice is uh, the best interviews in the team. And let's make it public here. Um, Sue Cravens, the undisputed heavyweight interview of the world. Um, but uh, beyond Sue Cravens, I think we both agree, right? He's number one. He's definitely number one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. One, of the, the one of the best people I've, I've talked to in any sport at any level. But um, beyond Sua, who are some of your, who would be your top three interviews in the team? Yeah, I mean, Sua is a former defensive back, and I would look in that direction um, for some of the best interviews on the squad. Uh, Kevon Seymour and John Plattenberg are both very uh, intelligent, well-spoken, uh, honest, uh, introspective type of guys. Uh, enjoy talking with both of them. Um, you know, their, their demeanor doesn't change very much, whether it's a win or a loss, which is kind of always something that you, you like to see. Um, Dory Jackson, another uh, defensive back, is one of the best interviews on the team for totally different reasons. He's kind of brash, and he's very self-confident, and he's just kind of willing to say things about the sorts of <laughs> things that he can accomplish on the football field, and he just really believes that he can do these things, like Anything. win the Thorpe Award and win the Heisman and play on all three faces and also run track. Uh, and you, you, when you talk to him, you, you sort of believe it, too, because he's so sure about it. Um, and over on the offensive side, uh, I think Justin Davis has a similar demeanor to Plattenberg and Seymour. Um, kind of that he's a, he's a friendly, cordial, uh, thoughtful person who somehow, you know, transforms himself into a, like a physical force on the football field. Um, Zach Banner is loquacious, uh, by far the best spokesman on the offensive line, and he'll give you some really good sound bites. And the other one I would say is Juju Smith, who's young, uh, not incredibly well-spoken at this point, maybe because he's, you know, just turned 18 years old. Um, but he's always willing to, to step up and be accountable and kind of uh, be a leader, win or lose. We could always talk to Juju, and I think that, that uh, that's telling uh, about the type of character that he has. A lot of great insight there from Michael Lev. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael J. Lev. He is the USC beat reporter for the Orange County Register. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Michael. Enjoy the NFL draft this week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. So, so that's a great insight from Michael Lev. And, and notice he didn't he didn't say September nineteenth was a potential uh, stumbling block there. And uh, that's USC's Pac twelve opener against Stanford. Stanford. Yeah, that's the one I look at. Yeah, he first. went straight to ASU. I think Stan the first road game. I think Stanford with with Hogan the way they performed last year up in Palo Alto. That's going to be very dicey. I think. I like the way that they finished their year. And I think yeah. that they're really they, they under really the radar. Hit the, yeah, they hit their stride. They kind of found themselves again after losing so many guys to the NFL. And uh, 
Yeah, it's it's gonna be. I think a, a, that that's one game that I'm looking looking forward to because Arkansas State, Idaho, they open the season, but then that first test is gonna be Stanford. Well, then you have to remember, Oregon probably comes down a level. You know, I mean, they, they might still win the North, but they're not gonna be the top team in the country like they were for parts of last year. Stanford is gonna be hungry. Yeah. They're gonna see that window open, and they have a chance to win that North. So, I think that. They're a team that's going to be overlooked, but, you know, I mean, not that USC will, but, I mean, nationally they'll be a little bit overlooked. Right. Before we wrap up, I really wanted to touch on just quickly on on the guys that he mentioned and, uh, you know, say you're welcome because I trained all those guys, uh, interviewing (laughs) them on the recruiting trail. Um, But some guys to look forward to for you uh, since you cover the team, all defensive backs as well. Isaiah Langley from from the Bay Area is great. Uh, Akili Ross from from the Empire is a great interview. Marvell Tell is very smart and well-spoken. And Amon Marshall, the five-star corner. You know, those corners like to talk, and I think Biggie is going to be a great interview for you guys uh, there on the USC beat. Yeah, what is it about that position? You, I mean, they're they're matching up against receivers. They have to jaw. They have to communicate against you know uh, with their own guys in the in the secondary. And I think it, it all goes hand in hand. I think you have to be competitive, and those guys are are outspoken, and, and you know it, it's just kind of in their nature. So you have yeah. to kind of be able to do that to be a defensive back. So another guy I like talking to is Chris Hawkins. Yeah, so great guy. I'm hoping. I mean, if he does have a bigger role, there'll be more reason to talk to him. And he's a, a good interview. There there are many. But a lot of them are in that. Yeah, and let's hope we get a great interview for next week as well. We've had two consecutive uh, great, insightful guests, Daniel Jeremiah, Michael Lev. uh, And hopefully next week we have another one here for the TrojanSports.com podcast fans. All right. All right. So for Adam Maya, this is Blair Angulo. Thanks for listening to the TrojanSports.com podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's TrojanSports.com podcast. Your one-stop shopping for everything Trojan sports. Recaps, previews, the best in recruiting, and some fun and frivolity with the boys. Follow the guys on Twitter at Bangulo, at Chris P. Swanson, and at Adam J. Maya. We'll see you next week on the TrojanSports.com podcast.